I'm Grant Hill. I'm the associate pastor here at the Garden Gathering Church. And uh, I'm delighted that you're here. A quick announcement is that next Sunday night where you're sitting, we are going to have a game night. It's our 5G, the Garden Gathering, giant game of games presented by the Griffiths. There's only one Griffith back there to represent them, but I, I think more are coming. Oh, there's two. But we did it last year, and it was a delight. It's just a bunch of games to play together, and you collect points, and you have a lot of laughs, and we have fun. It is a fun night, so that will be on a Sunday night. So if you have a cell night, you can plan on coming to that. But we will be here at 6.30 next Sunday night for our giant gathering of the Game of Games. Amen? I will remind you next week. I want you to turn to the book of 1 Kings, and we're going to read a little bit of a story here. 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to start in verse 13 here. A little bit has happened. This is in the story of the prophet Elijah, a mighty prophet of the Lord. He had just confronted the powers, the principalities, the officials, the rulers, the priests of Israel. Whom shall you serve? If you serve God, serve him. If you serve Baal, another Lord, serve him. And the people had turned. They had cast it down. This is the story of the fire had fallen actually from heaven and burned everything up. Burned the altar, burned the rocks, burned the dirt, burned the water, burned the wood. Everything has been burned down. And the prophets of Baal have been slaughtered. And the queen Jezebel got mad and threatened Elijah's life. If you kill my prophets, I'm going to kill you. Now Je- Elijah has run away escaped Jezebel and run into the desert back to the mountain of God. It is here where we begin our story. Elijah's in a place of self-pity. Elijah's in a place of intimidation. Elijah's in a place of fear. This mighty man of God hit probably his lowest point of his ministry right here. In verse 13 where we pick it up. So it was when Elijah heard it, this is an the still small voice of God, that when he heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out of the cave and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life as well. And so he comes and he gives his complaint to God. He comes to complain. The people had just turned from their wicked ways. They just declared that they would serve the Lord. A mighty sign has happened. But yet Elijah turns it around and shows that there has been still a battle to be won. There's still something that's attacking us. There's still an enemy that hasn't been defeated. And God doesn't even acknowledge his griping. (laughs) 
Go to the next verse. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahaloah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And so God doesn't even acknowledge it and tells him, go. We still have work to do. Get to work. He goes and actually sets up the king of a neighboring nation. He actually sets up a king of a enemy nation in several years of Israel's history. He actually has the authority to go and say, you are now the king over Syria. Not always the friend of Israel. He also says, you are now to set up a new king over Israel, Jehu. And then you are to set up a prophet, Elisha. We read about in 2 Kings and the rest of 1 Kings, who was to take the double mantle of Elijah when he was taken up in the chariot of fire. But he says something else. In verse 18, Jesus, or the Lord, tells him, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. And I want you to hear today that these are nameless, faceless people. We do not know their names. We do not have an image of their faces, but God has seen every one of them. God has seen 7,000 men or women in Israel who would not turn and serve any other God but Him. They are nameless and they are faceless. And sometimes when the remnant keeps getting smaller in Israel, self-pity comes against the hearts of the believers. Self-doubt, unbelief. Elisha is wallowing in that place right here. I am the only one left that will stand up for righteousness, that will stand up to the one true God and say, you are him. And God says, no, I got 7,000 others who I have seen, who I know, who I hear, who I am with, who I have been in their house, and I know what they do in their secret place, and I know where they have stood fast to my word. And I'm here to tell you that you have a vital role to play in the kingdom of heaven. Just as these 7,000 helped bring down the fire of God in their land, it wasn't just Elijah, but it was these 7,000 praying steadfast, God, turn us from our evil ways. Elijah wasn't just the only one. Elijah, we know, was the head. He and he was the head. He was the head of the house of Israel for the one true God. But yet there were 7,000 that God said, no, these are a part of the remnant. These are a part of the intercessors. These are a part of my kingdom happening in Israel. 
And in our house, in our nation, in our state today, God is looking for this. God is looking for the same. And it's for those that say, I still have a part. I might be nameless. I might be faceless in the state, in the nation. I might be nameless. I might be faceless in the body of Christ. But God sees me. And my prayers matter. And my decrees matter. And God is writing down these accounts saying that I have not bowed my knee. I have not been intimidated. And I have not kissed any other God but yours. But Yah, but Yahweh, the one who should be feared, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, is clean and pure. Are you with me? The most powerful thing that you can know is that you have a role. You have a part in the kingdom of heaven. You have a significant part and a significant role in the kingdom of heaven. And God really doesn't care what anybody else says but his people. God can hear the mockers, and God can hear what the devil's saying, but he doesn't really care what he says. He doesn't really care what they are saying. What he cares about is, what are my people praying? What are my people saying? What are my people believing? And he saw 7,000. That's what mattered to him. So you're not alone. Get going. Let's get going. We got something to do. The same thing is for our time now. The same thing is for you now. God is ever increasing. His kingdom is ever expanding. His kingdom is ever enlarging. He said, get going, get going. You're not the only one. Let's go. What do you want to decree? What do you want to believe? And we're in a time, and we've been in a time in our nation, in our state, where things are coming to light. Things are looking ugly. Things discourage us with what we see at Washington, D.C., and corruption, and, and evil, and just blatant, outright yuck. Yuck. But God says, okay, what are you going to say about it before me? You can complain. You can wallow in it. I'm the only one here. We're the only ones left. Or we can have the attitude of, we are going to stay steadfast in what we have decreed. We're going to stay steadfast in what you have said. We're going to stay steadfast in faith and not be intimidated, not bow that knee. Staying true to what the Lord has called you to do. On Wednesday night, we did a table talk, and the word that the Lord gave us was about decreeing a thing, and it shall be established for you. That's in Job 22, if you want to go there. Job 22, the most revolutionary thing of the gospel was that men and women realized that God was calling them from whatever social status they were in to be kings and priests unto their God. That is a revolutionary message. The good news is that I don't have to be impoverished anymore. I don't have to be tormented. I don't have to be beaten up. I don't have to be chewed up and spit out every month, every three months, every six months. I don't have to go through the cycle of I'm going up and coming down. I am the son and the daughter of the living God, not by my works, but by faith in Jesus Christ, that his blood has forgiven me of my sins and all of my mistakes and that forgiveness allows me to be adopted, 
redeemed, bought back from a slave of sin, now to be bought to be a son and a child of God, set free. A child of God, well, if he's the king of all the earth and I am his son, I am in the kingdom of priests of our God. If he is the high priest of heaven, then I am in the order of his priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, that's in Hebrews. This is revolutionary. But when you get the revelation, the revelation, the revelatory understanding that I have a part to play in the kingdom of God, it's not just for the fivefold. Because Ephesians 4 said, right? Do you know what Ephesians 4 says? Yes, everybody in the garden should know what Ephesians 4 says. Yes, right? Because he has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors for what? The equipping of the saints. Who's doing the work of the ministry? The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Who's doing the ministry? The saints are doing the work of the ministry. Who is equipping them? The fivefold leaders. If you want to lead the house, you must serve everyone. You must wash the feet of all. Leaders lead by serving. Jesus leads us by serving us constantly, consistently, everlastingly serving us and our needs. And therefore, God has exalted him high above every other name. Yes, Who's doing the work of the ministry? The saints, you and I. We have a role to play. We are doing the ministry of Jesus. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a ministry of rebuilding the old ruins. We have a ministry that takes up the desolation and plants restoration. Yes, this is our ministry. And you go, how? How? Because you're equipped with the Holy Spirit. The five-fold offices of the Holy Spirit encourage you, exhort you, discipline you, train you, refine you, but you are doing the casting out. You are doing the laying on of hands. You are doing the speak forth in faith and it shall be done to you. You are speaking to the mountains and they are moved. That's the work of the ministry, the bride of Christ. Well, who's the bride of Christ? Just the heads? No, we are all the body of Christ being made into the image and likeness of him who is our head until we come into the full maturity of Christ Jesus. This is Ephesians 4. Yes, amen. Are you in Job? Job 22. Some of you weren't here on Wednesday and some of you were, so you get a double dose. Job 22 this, is a, this isn't Job himself, but it is true. You ready? Job twenty two twenty seven. You will make your prayer to him, God, and he will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will also decree a thing or declare a thing, and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. 29. When they cast you down, you say, exaltation will come. Then he, the Lord, will save the humble person. We know that pride comes before a fall. But a humble or contrite spirit God raises up. So there is two parts going on here. You will decree a thing. You will declare a thing. 
But if you speak it out in pride, you will fall. But if you can come with the humility of Christ Jesus, come with, who am I, God? But yet I have the faith that what you are saying to me, I will decree it to be established. That humble spirit, God will exalt. Exaltation will come. Exaltation will come. You with me? Light will shine on your ways because it will be established for you when you decree a thing. Those who are humble, he will save. I want you to hear some verses on what it means. The role, part of the role that we have to fulfill in the church, in the house of God, is we have to speak what God wants to do and agree with what he wants to do, right? Because if you actually think about it, okay, what do you do? Do you heal people? No, God heals the person through you, right? Do you send those demons out? Do you get those chains and yank them out? No, it's the Holy Spirit that you say, Holy Spirit, cast it out of them. Be gone, right? You use the authority of Christ Jesus and the demons flee because they know Jesus' name and they see Jesus in you and it's you that is speaking the words but you're not doing the power, right? So what does God use us for? He uses our agreement and our faith. We are an empty vessel that he can pour through. The works that you do are works of faith. We have a will. The work that you do is actually your will to choose to do it. In James, it says, I will show you my faith by my works. I choose to do something. I choose to be there. I choose to speak. I choose to have this attitude. I choose to believe. That's the work of the faith. And faith and works go together, it says in James. That's why we can say, wow, that person has faith. How do you know he has faith? I don't know. He just sits there. Oh, but he's a believer. He shows up every Sunday. Okay, where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible to come sit? That's not. That is not the role that God has given you to do. That's not the role. Cleanse the lepers. I choose to put my hand here. Heal the sick. I choose to pray and believe that you are the one that does this work. We are believers. We walk by faith and not by sight. We go from glory to glory, faith to faith. And part of this is I speak and I declare what I hear God doing. That's what God needs. He needs your agreement. He needs your mouth. He needs your words. And there were 7,000 of them at this dire time in Elijah's worst moment, worst hour, there were 7,000 of them that were giving them his, their words, giving them their prayer, giving heaven their decrees, giving heaven their declares, giving heaven their actions. Their actions are their will to choose. You, you're hearing me? This is what God does, because God does the rest. It says in, in uh, Corinthians, Apollos watered, I planted, but God did the growth. Holy Spirit does the growth. Holy Spirit does everything. Who fights your battles for you? The Lord, arise and fight my enemies. Have them scatter. 
And you're like, God, so I just don't do anything. No, you are important because if you don't speak it, if you don't praise it, if you don't worship him, if you don't have agreement, then heaven cannot come to earth. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are the kingdom of heaven's ambassador right here. Right here. You can't send an ambassador to another country and him do nothing. Or your country is not exemplified. Your country is not represented correctly in that country. You're a nobody. You have no influence there. That's the truth. And if you are an ambassador of Christ, then you have a role in the hospital, in the schoolroom, in the workplace, on the streets, in the house of God, in the families of God, with mamas, with grandmas, with grandpas. I have a role to play. I have a voice. I have a vessel to be used through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why you have to be declaring a thing to be established on the dirt that you're in. I can't go walk. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the pastors in this town, in San Angelo, cannot walk all of the dirt. We could try. That is a lot of months. But you can do all of that in a week with everybody in the house of God. (laughs) And it says in Joshua that every place the sole of your foot tread upon, I have given to you. I have a role to play. I have a purpose. I have a function. I have a destiny in the kingdom of God. And I will be a vessel that speaks the word of the Lord and declares a thing so it to be established and the kingdom of heaven can come. I hope you're feeling empowered. This is the truth. This is why you're here. This is why you were born for this time. Because there is a kingdom of darkness that anytime the kingdom of light comes, they tried to build a wall in front of it. And any time a soul is delivered, they try to snatch up that word. It says that in the Bible. Whenever the seed has been sown, they try to dry up the ground. It tries to make it hard so that the heart tries to steal it like the birds steal the seed. There is an enemy that says, okay, you're free. Well, I'm going to try to seduce you over here. There is an enemy that says, okay, you're healed. Well, then I'm going to try to put fear over here. Okay, this has been broken open. Well, then we're going to build a wall over here. There is a kingdom of darkness that doesn't want to lose its ground. And we can agree with it because it's looking for your agreement as well. The kingdom of heaven needs your agreement, but the kingdom of darkness does it well. It cannot move unless you agree with it. Because it has been delegated to you. It has been delegated to the children of mankind. And when you agree with it, you know what? Yeah, I like that. You know what? Yes, I want this. You know what? Yes, I'd rather do that than follow the way of the Lord. Then you give them access. You give them a brick. You give them a key to open doors and get in with darkness. This is the war. This is the battlefield of the mind. This is what's happening. That's why it's always pressing against the kingdom of heaven. That's why it's always that enmity with God. You understand? It's, 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 you might think, okay, God, we have broken through right here. Well, the devil didn't just say, oh, okay, it's an open heaven. I, they're not just going to let it. They're going to try to close it back up. And how do they get the closing of an open heaven? They have to get the agreement of mankind on earth. They have to get the agreement of men to try to close it, to try to stop it, to try to stop the advancement. 
In the book of Daniel, we read about when he was praying 21 days that the angel of the Lord that was from heaven to give the word to Daniel was detained for three weeks in the second heaven to not let Daniel get the word. Who was stopping it? He said, the prince of Persia, the principality of Persia. Got me, confined me, held me back so that the word of God would not advance. You say, how can that, how? God has delegated authorities and he allows us to see the wrestling that's happening in the heavens, that we are in a war. You are in a battlefield and you have a role to play. But every time that the light that we've been talking about, the light shines forth, the light goes forth and the cockroaches scatter, they go to find other darkness to go build a bigger wall so that the light can't penetrate it through. And so you have to go from faith to faith. You have to get higher and higher in the glory so that the light busts it down easier. You seeing how this works in the spirit. This is spiritual warfare 101. Yeah, it's 101. (laughs) It's 101. And we need to get to like 505. You with me? Glory to glory. Up, up, up. Up, up, up. I have a role to play. I have a role to play. God has called me. The book of Esther, you were born for such a time as this. To not be intimidated. To not be shaken. But to decree and declare and not bow, not bend, not break. But believe. Who are you believing? Me, the one who does it all, Jesus said. (laughs) I am all in all. I do it for you. I need your faith. I need your faith. Who opens the Red Sea? Who splits it wide open? Did Moses do that? No, but he believed. He did the will. He chose to say, I will do what you tell me to do. Raise this staff. And the winds came and it split the sea open. But nobody's over there saying Moses did that. But his faith, his choosing, his will to say, I have a role to play. This is my role. This is my position. This is my authority. This is my place. This is my time. That's the yes. That's the faith. This should be encouraging your spirit, man. Are you still in Job? All right, we'll go to Amos. Hosea, Joel, Amos. We're going to read some scriptures here, so I'm going to go kind of fast back there. All right? To create a thing, and it shall be established for you. This is Amos 3, 7 and 8. We speak it here a lot. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? How much does the Lord do without the words of us speaking it forth? How much? Nothing. Nothing that, that is almost unbelievable to the house of God sometimes. It's like, wait, God doesn't move outside of us believing and decreeing and prophesying it? It says that. The Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And you're like, why the prophets? Because they will speak it. They will speak it. They won't keep it in. They will speak it in faith. They will speak it in faith. He has to reveal it to the ones who will speak it. Because 
he enters on the praises of his people. He abides. He shows up on the words that we speak, on our worship. But he also can move with our prophecy. He can bring light and vision when we speak the prophecy. And when the Lord roars, who can but prophesy? Yes, you are all called to be prophetic in the house of the Lord. Why? Because the prophet is in you. Jesus is in you, the prophet. You have his spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus Christ in you is the spirit of prophecy. It says that in Revelation. If this is the truth, then when he roars, you will speak it forth, declare a thing, and it will be established for you. Who's it going to be established for? The kingdom that you're a part of. Establishing the kingdom of heaven. Yes, yes. Let's go to Micah 7. If you're at the table talks, you've heard these. Micah. Micah. Micah 7. Micah 7 verse 11 says this. In the day when your walls are built, in the day when your walls are to be built, in that day the decree shall go far and wide. So the devil is trying to set up walls. The devil is trying to set up snares and pits and traps. But God is establishing his kingdom and making a stronghold of heaven. And to make a stronghold of heaven, he sets up his ramparts. He sets up his standards. He sets up his city on a hill. He sets up his tent. He sets up his mountain. He sets up his kingdom here. And when those walls are to be built with the people that pray and decree and say, yes, Lord, the decree shall go far and wide. That's why we have just a sound regional service. Just a sound, just a sound of faith, just a sound of prophecy, just a sound of belief, just a sound of a decree goes far and wide. This is what's happening. The walls are going to be built. If you are not of the kingdom of heaven, you're getting evicted. The decree shall go far and wide. The ramparts shall be laid. This is a walk of faith. This is a walk of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, who's clean and pure and full of the fear of the Lord. He is the fear of the Lord. Yes? Isaiah 10.1 says this, Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune, misfortune which they have prescribed. You can't just decree whatever you want to decree. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune what they have prescribed. You can't just decree whatever you want to decree. If you want destruction to come to Russia, and you decree it over them, and that's not what the Lord has said, then that is an unrighteous decree. You have to know what the Lord God is saying. What does that mean? You have to spend time with him. What does that mean? You have to know his voice. You have to know the still small voice, just as much as you know the fire of God. You cannot decree what you want to have happen. You have to decree what God says will happen. We can talk it out with God, but decreeing a thing is a, it's a legal term. Decreeing a thing is a formal place to be. 
We can wrestle with God. We can talk to God. God, this is what I am want. This is what I desire. But as you wrestle with him, he works it out so that your desires become what is true. And when you are in the spirit of truth who leads you into all truth, then you can come to the place of a formal decree and a formal declaration and say, this is the truth. This is what shall be. But woe, that's, that's, that's not a good term. Woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees. You have to hear both sides of this. You can't just be swinging a sword because you have a sword. You have to have a sword that penetrates the soul and the mind, that penetrates the thoughts and intentions of the heart of man, even your own sword, even your own soul, even your own thoughts. Yes, this is good. This is good. Proverbs 8, 14 through 15 says this. Proverbs 8, 14 through 15 says, Counsel is mine. This is the spirit of wisdom. And sound wisdom. I am understanding, says the Holy Spirit. I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree justice. You are of the kings and priests of God. You are the sons of the living God. You are the rulers. You are the delegated authorities. You are the delegated ambassadors of this land, of this region, of this dirt. And by the wisdom of God, by his counsel, you have the authority to decree justice. And by the Holy Spirit of wisdom, you can do it. And you're supposed to do it. And you need to do it. You hearing me? Yes. I want to go to Matthew 3. The word of the Lord came to us during just a sound in this scripture here, and it applies to what the Lord is doing. And I, and I want you to hear it. Matthew chapter 3. This is John the Baptist speaking. 10 through 12. Are you there? Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, and we'll read through 12. And even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but... He who is coming after me, which was Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork or fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. The Lord has said that even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. We are in a time and a place where the Lord has put his axe upon our nation. And he's letting the fruit be exposed, even in our own hearts, where we've been intimidated, where we have compromised as the house of God and as a nation, where we have turned from the way of the Lord into the way of the wicked. And the axe is at the root. The axe is there, and he's just letting the tree produce more fruit 
so that we all see in this country how rotted it really is, how rotten it's really gotten. In the book of Jeremiah, it talks about good figs and bad figs. Jeremiah sees a vision of two baskets, a basket full of good figs, a basket full of bad figs. The nation of Judah, the nation of Israel, had to see how bad their sin really had gotten. It took hundreds of years for them to see to the place of where they were at was so bad they had to be sent away from their home into captivity for almost 2,000 years. Well, it was 2,000 years (laughs) before they got their nation back as a sovereignty. The Lord's doing, the, the axe is here. The axe is there. And Brandy mentioned it. It's like there's this news of it's just going to be this terrible tsunami. But if our eyes are on the glory of the Lord, on who has the axe, if your eyes are on the spirit of truth, on who has the axe, the winnowing fork is in whose hand? Then you would say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will not be shaken because I know that you uproot and you pluck up and you plant good things and you produce good fruit. And the way of the Lord is righteousness, peace, and security. And the fruit of man is always destruction, insecurity, and fear. Do you hear it? The winnowing fork is in his hand, and he is going to sever, and he's going to cut away the shaft, and he's going to burn it up. But he's going to pluck up. He's going to pluck up. How is he going to do that if his church that sees this word says, Yes, Lord, I decree and declare the winnowing fork is in your hand. I decree and declare that you have the axe and you have set it to the root. Finish the work. Finish the work by your hand, not by our wants, not by our compromise, not by what we want to see happen. You finish the work in my city, in my state, and in my nation. I trust your hand versus my desires. I trust your hand versus what I want. I trust your deliverance because you're a merciful God but you're also a just God. By you, rulers decree justice. You with me? God hates, hates corruption and injustice. He hates it. He hates it. And he will expose it to the root so that everybody says, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with that. Right? You have to sometimes know what the vomit tastes like. Before, right, to know, right, we read in the Proverbs that the, the, the pig goes back to the vomit. The dog goes back to the vomit to eat it. And it's such a graphic image in the Proverbs of what we do to sin, what we do with our own fleshly desires. And it's like God allows you to finally see it. It's vomit. And you're like, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. And that's true deliverance. Where you have an aversion to the fleshly lust that you used to have. When you have an aversion to the bondage that you used to willingly go to, that's true freedom, because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That's the ministry of reconciliation that we've been given through Jesus. I want you to hear, you're doing good. Luke 11. Let's go to Luke 11. 
we have to agree that the winnowing fork is in Jesus's hands, and we have a role to play for him to do the work powerfully, swiftly, righteously, and justly. You have a role. Your voice matters. Your prayer matters. Your willingness matters. Your choice to pray matters. Your choice to say yes matters. Your boldness to go matters. Elijah, go. Elijah, go. Don't wallow in self-pity. Right? Samuel was told after weeping over King Saul, get up, stop weeping over Saul and go anoint David. Well, he didn't say it was David. He said, go anoint the son of Jesse that I tell you. But we know the rest of the story. Sometimes God wants us to, there's enough. It's enough of being solemn. There's enough of grieving over your state. There's enough of grieving over your nation. Let's go and let's make it right and let's finish it by your decrees and by your anointing and by your work. Set up the kings, set up the prophets that are going to be coming. Set up the kings, set up the prophets that are going to be coming. Set up the kings, set up the prophets that are going to be coming. It's not just about you and your ministry, Elijah. It's about the generation to come as well. You hear it. That is what we're at. This is where we're at right now. A kingdom vision, a kingdom mindset. A kingdom to come and to keep coming. Yes? Luke eleven twenty seven. Luke eleven twenty seven. And it happened as Jesus spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb who bore you and the breast which nursed you. But Jesus said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of the Lord and keep it. The woman was trying to exhort. The woman was trying to encourage Jesus and be like, wow, blessed be your heritage. Blessed be your forefathers. What a great lineage you must have come from. What a, what a great family who raised you. And Jesus goes, better than that, blessed are those who hear these words and keep it because they're part of my heritage. They're a part of my inheritance. They're a part of my family. You hear it? Do you see it? We can say the same thing. Wow, what a nation that I have been born in. What a heritage that I have. What an inheritance I have been given here. And Jesus goes, well, more than that, hear my words and do them, and you will have a greater nation. You will have a better inheritance. You will have an important kingdom that will never be shaken and never perish and never go away. More than that, <laughs> blessed are those who hear my words and keep it. Amen? So we will continue on next week. If you have any need of prayer, if you do not know Jesus as this king, we are up here to pray. I want you to know him. I want you to see him as who he is. So we will be here if you have prayer or need for anything, okay? So let's stand and let's receive the word. Holy Spirit, we receive your word. We receive your instruction. 
to decree a thing and it will be established for us. At every place the sole of our foot is tread upon, you have given to us. It says in Joshua 1, verse 3, God. We receive this. We receive this truth. We receive this promise that as we are grafted into your covenant, when you speak, how can we but prophesy? How can we but decree? You are the prophet that says the truth, and you are the way, the truth, and the life. The winnowing fork is in your hand, and I say, yes, Lord Jesus, cut, save, deliver, and remove the shaft. Uproot the trees. Remove the desolations. Expose corruption and wickedness, and let our house be so filled with your truth and your justice and your decrees. Let our house be so full of the Spirit of the Lord that we would recognize these times and seasons and not bow and not be intimidated, not be compromising, but anchored, steadfast, immovable in who we are and who our God is. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.